Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger lie, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit, Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. Uh, pleasure to be back. Uh, yeah, we do have a mild winter here in Chicago as well. Uh, we're very pleased tonight to have a very special guest, Marty Whitakin, uh, to come on with us to share. A uh, frequent participant to this call, David Delka, reached out to Marty recently, and she agreed to come on. And as I was going down her bio, I realized there may be a crossover connection with my, me and my personal uh, life and family. Uh <clears throat> Years ago, my parents used to sell garlic for a living. Uh, Pure Gar was the name of the company. And they reached out all over the country to protect the right to sell nutraceutical products, natural uh, occurring garlic, for example, in powdered tablets and so on. And I believe Marty can speak well to this because it sounds like she was right in the thick of this whole thing. Uh, Bastyr University, uh, was founded right there in Seattle, and my parents were right there with John Pizzarno, Joseph Pizzarno, when it got started, and they were they helped uh, start start it. So Marty 
served on the board of trustees of John Bester University, and she probably has so many stories to tell us tonight on tonight's call uh, in a short period of time. But David Belka uh, will be helping to moderate the call, and I just wanted to say thank you, Marty, for coming on. This show has been going on close to eight years now. We all share the truth, uh, share ideas uh, about health, wellness. Uh, sometimes we've had political people on. Sometimes we've had financial people. We've had authors. We've had uh, publicists, uh, documentarians. Uh, people from all over the world have been on this call over, over the years, and we're really uh, honored to have you on, uh, on to talk about this subject of health and wellness. Uh, before I get underway, uh, David Dalka reached out to me because he was undergoing some personal health issues, and I shared with him my experience uh, a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, I dropped 55, 60 pounds, and I got healthy again, ran a marathon last year, and every day, in addition to regularly working out and stretching and everything else, I discovered, because uh, I had an acid reflux problem, and I've been taking apple cider vinegar mixed with water every day to counteract my acid reflux and help alkaline, alkalize my body. And it's just paid off wonderfully. My, my health is just, I feel a lot, a lot better uh, for having done that. And I'm sure there's other things in addition to daily vitamins and garlic and stuff and eating healthy. But Marty, you are a certified nutritionist and uh, you've written three books. Uh, the links are on our website and you also host a show for 18 years called Healthy by Nature Show. Uh, what got you on this track? And, and by the way, you may have run into my mother many years ago, my father. I'm not sure if there's a connection. <laughs> well, wow, that's quite an introduction. Thank you, Fred. But the John Pinsier University campus is beautiful. It's uh, in a private reserve. It's a former seminary of the Archdiocese of Seattle. And uh, I went up there a couple of times to attend a, uh, a university founders meetings. You know, that's for people who have, who have helped support the university over the years. And um, it was just a wonderful experience just to get exposed to all the, the workings of that university and the, and the great growth uh, plans they had in store. And they opened up the California campus, and I'm sure they're going great guns today. Well, it really is a spectacular Site. I was with them back when they were still in a grade school, a former grade school in town, and I was around kind of as they were moving. Uh, to oh wow! Now. And I see. Wow. Uh, yeah, I I really have always thought that was the wave of the future: natural medicine, functional medicine. Obviously, what we're doing now. Not working out so well. We just uh, we don't rank well in the world for spending twice as much money on supposed health care. It's really all about disease care because we aren't teaching our doctors how to keep people well. Now, Marty, I don't want to, I don't want to jump in here, but uh, before I hand it off to David, because he has some, some questions already lined up, uh, as I understand it, natural health follows a homeopathic approach versus an allopathic approach. It's the difference between taking a sledgehammer and trying to force your way into somebody's back door, which is the allopathic approach, versus the natural way of knocking on the front door, right? <laughs> well, that's certainly a, a one graphic way of, of uh, portraying it. I, I think the 
key difference is that standard orthodox medicine, as it has become structured today, and not because doctors you know, are evil people, it's just the yeah. economics of it have forced it where what, what happens is they simply medicate symptoms. Natural mm-hmm. medicine, uh, uh, functional medicine, all of these uh, other approaches, they want to find out what's really wrong and yeah. fix the balance so that the the body is a miracle. And if we get out of its way, we give it what it needs, stop annoying it with things it can't handle, it it will heal almost anything. Uh, David, can you hear us okay? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm, okay I'm, David's mind's unmuted. Great. Uh, Dave, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, go through these questions, and then we'll open it up for comments and questions sure. for everyone to get sure. involved. Thank you so, just, so much. Just to give people a little bit of that context there, I, I was actually, uh, you know, the, the book that made me aware of Marty was this book called Natural Alternatives to Nexium, Malax, Tagamin, and Pyrolosec, and other acid blockers, what to use to relieve acid reflux, heartburn, and gastroenteritis. And I became aware of that book after... I had been prescribed some of the traditional things, and I just, my spidey sense just said, this stuff isn't right. This stuff doesn't, you know, isn't isn't helping. This stuff seems like it has more problems than, than solutions. And I went looking for, you know, alternative books on the subject, and, and I ran across hers, which is actually a very good seller on, on Amazon, and I, and I it's, it's, it's a very good read, very in, informational. So I guess I'd like to just back up a few steps and have Marty t- just give me give us a deep dive on how you first got interested in all this and, and what led to you know your your lifelong passion on these issues. Well, it kind of all goes back to uh, migraine headaches when I was in college, which I now know started because I was a, a child of the antibiotic honeymoon no matter what was wrong with you, you got an antibiotic. And the effects of those can last for decades if you don't know what's going on and fix it. And when I finally ran across the right kind of doctor who wanted to know what was going on instead of just giving me more pain medication like all the others, he found that I had food sensitivities, which were related to gut bacteria, being out of balance, I was mineral deficient, and had some hormone imbalances. Well, we got all those things fixed. The migraines went away after having them for many, many years. And I just said, gosh, I wonder what else they don't know. And it turned out that was quite a lot. So I became a a nutritionist and finally decided that probably the place where most people are going wrong, other than eating sugar and drinking sodas and and too many starchy foods and that kind of thing. The main thing is our digestion isn't good to begin with, and we're ruining it, making it even worse with medications that are just, well, I, I don't want to get too far into that until you know we see where you want to head with it, but um, I could just see there's a really huge problem. If we're spending $14 billion a year, just on one classification of acid-blocking drugs, something's really out of whack. Yeah, please, uh, please dive into that thing there because you you have a really strong opinion about why these drugs are undesirable 
which which I now agree with, but I was, you know, a year ago, I was among the ignorant. So I think, you know, the goal of this call and the goal, you know, for everybody here is they should be taking notes on what you're talking about and, you know, thinking about how they can change their personal habits and who else they can talk to about this because it's really important information that, that, you know, the big media certainly isn't sharing with anybody. Well, it's it's kind of funny, and I think it, it points to the, the core of the problem, that <clears throat> if I do a, a book signing event at a big conference of some kind, there are always some doctors in the line, and they just they kind of look around furtively, uh, hoping that none of their colleagues can hear, and they lean over and they say, I know what we're doing is wrong. I just don't know what else to do. <laughs> and that's the the fact of it, because we've been led to believe that stomach acid must be evil and we've got to put out the fire no matter what and that if you read the ads, you look at the television commercials, they give a very, I think, fraudulent impression that, well, you should be on these all the time because uh, they don't work right away. It takes a few days. You never know when you're going to get heartburn, so... You should just be on them all the time. Well, somewhere on the screen there will be some fine print that says, "Use it for two weeks, and that's all." And then you can, you can um, maybe under doctor's orders take it for four weeks, and then you should take several months off. You should only do this a couple times a year. Well, they never make a point of that. They let people go on these drugs for years and years and years, and what they fail to mention is the side effects are increased risk of heart attack and and stroke, increased risk of fatal pneumonia, uh, 65% increased risk of that C. difficile, which is often fatal diarrhea, hip fracture, dementia, thyroid problems, fatigue, insomnia, back pain, hair loss, sinusitis. I mean, I could go on and on and on because of the simple fact we need Stomach acid is part of the original plan. We need it to break down protein. We need it to make vitamin B12. We need it to keep the right pH so that our gut bacteria can thrive. And perhaps most importantly, we need it to absorb minerals. So now the, finally the FDA has put a kind of a black box warning on the drug saying, if you take it for more than a year, you might end up low in magnesium. That could be a problem. On my website, I've got a, an article about magnesium that talks about the 300 different things it does in our body. But one of the really important ones is that it keeps your heart beating regularly, which is something I think we would all like to have. <laughs> yeah, so so if these drugs have so many side effects... Um, why are they so regularly prescribed? They just don't know what else to do. And the prescribing the drugs is reinforced because the patient takes it and for a little while they're, they don't have heartburn anymore and they come back and thank the doctor. So that's what the doctor wants to do, make patients happy. They also hear from, you know, you can go into any doctor's office around lunchtime. There'll be a drug rep there with lunch for the staff to pitch their particular <laughs> drug. They have no incentive to talk about side effects or or uh, counsel the doctor. Well, you really ought to have them take some um, apple cider vinegar or they should take some probiotics. They should 
go to a chiropractor, have their hiatal hernia fixed, or any of a number of things that would actually get to the root cause of the problem because they want to sell more drugs. And the doctors get bonuses for for prescribing drugs. Uh, They aren't taught. They don't go to Bastyr. (laughs) So they don't know how the well body even works. They don't know all of these natural remedies. And and here's the real kicker. This is the, the political side of things. We don't have reimbursement for doctors to do the kind of counseling that it would take to find out the real problem and counsel the patient on how to fix it. Uh, you know, the average office visit is five, six minutes, you know, maybe ten on a good day, and even that is interrupted by having to put things in the computer and the nurse comes in and asks questions for, you know, about the patient in the next room and you just in that amount of time you can't find out what's wrong and guide people on <clears throat> on how to fix it. So uh it it really comes down to the need for a grassroots effort like what you're doing, people reading about it, taking matters in their own hands and Almost always, and this is an important point, there's not a medical necessity for these drugs. It's mostly an inconvenience. Now, if it goes on for a long time, you can have uh, erosion of the tissues and Barrett's esophagus, but those things happen over time. So you've got a little time to try something else and see if you can fix it yourself. You don't have to jump on the drugs because if you do, it's very hard to get off of them. They are habit-forming in that when you stop, you have a rebound effect, and it's worse. So one of the pages I have on my website is about how to get off of them. You have to get off of them slowly, almost like these psychiatric drugs, because you've got to let the body get used to going back to doing what it was supposed to do. So before we leave that area completely, um, you know, you talked about the standardization of uh, medicine when we talked the other day and these, these databases put together by the National Institutes of Health that are influenced by certain lobbyists. You know, how, how did this all happen and, and how that can we ever reverse it, do you think? Well, it, it, it kind of comes with the the funding Um there's there's very little funding actually for looking at things like the positive effects of herbs. The um, there's now all of a sudden a huge interest in probiotics, which is going to be the topic of my next book. It's coming out um, sometime in spring, and there are tens of thousands of studies on our good bacteria because uh, I, I think a lot of People find maybe they can isolate a bacteria that does a certain thing. They can patent it, and it will be like a drug. Um, But if there's – I mean, let's take something totally apart as an example, mammograms. If there's a huge industry built around doing mammograms, then there's pressure from the lobbyists in Washington to – have uh, studies that show mammograms are good. And you can construct a study to achieve the outcome that that you want to. Uh, and if you know, 
this is something I learned when I was spending a lot of time in Washington. It was one year I was there every other week on Capitol Hill. There are two and a half lobbyists for the pharmaceutical industry for every elected member of the legislature. So they, I, I think corrupt politicians, that's not our problem. Uh, there are some, but those are few. Mostly it's just they only have so much time. They're dealing with a million problems. They legislate according to what they know. They know because somebody came in and laid it out for them, made a good case, and so they, just like in Dallas yesterday, they voted to keep putting fluoride in the water. There weren't enough of us alternative voices didn't have the, the pressure that the big guys do. Yep, yep, I hear you there. So let's kind of now move into, you know, what can people do about this on their own personal level? And I think the best way to start with that would be just to ask you the question, you know, you intake something in your mouth, uh, food, water, minerals, whatever, and then it goes through multiple parts of the body and has processes there. But most of us have never spent even 60 seconds thinking about that in any detail. Can you just kind of walk through that at a high level so that people have a good understanding of what's going on there and what, what some of the potential important points are that they need to be cognizant of? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't get to answer that question very often, so thank you. It, it really all starts in the mouth, and I, I think there's, because we're pressured to eat in a hurry often or we're distracted because we're watching television while we eat or we learned as a, a teenager that we could swallow a hamburger in three bites if we uh, really just kind of mashed it down, we really should be chewing our food almost until it's a liquid because it's mixing with saliva that has enzymes in it. So not only are we trying to make fine particles, we are actually starting the digestive process in the mouth. And in the stomach, um, I described a lot of what the stomach acid does. It's supposed to be acidic 24 hours a day because if we um, – a lot of the pathogens that we come across, whether it's um, just something we've breathed in or allergens like pollen and things like that, part of what happens is they get the, – the saliva takes it down into the stomach, and if the acid's there – it breaks it down and turns it into something that's not harmful. Uh, the food will stay in the stomach until it reaches a certain point of digestion. So if you don't have enough stomach acid, it's likely to stay there a long time, and that increases the risk that the contents are going to splash up into the esophagus. or um, You can go even all the way up into the mouth and, and cause sore throat and dental erosion. So you want it you want the stomach acid to be strong and most people middle age and beyond there's a high likelihood of not having enough acid and that's one reason why cider vinegar is a natural remedy that that helps a lot of people because it increases the acidity and unless it's acid enough it's not going to make the little valves the one that keeps the food from going back up uphill and the one that allows it to go into the intestines. Those don't work right if the pH isn't right. But So then it goes on into the intestines, and there it's mixed with enzymes and various kinds of, of things. And the, the friendly bacteria take it and make 
more vitamins out of it. They make immune substances. They detoxify. They do a lot of jobs. And maybe sometime, another time after the book's out, if people are interested in probiotics, I'd be glad to come back and talk about them. But um, And then the last part of the digestion, the main thing that happens is that water's pulled out and the uh, the bulk of the of the um, waste just leaves, but nothing much happens in that last part except that it's just dried out enough so that it can uh, become a firm stool. So that's kind of the shorthand version of our digestive system. You mentioned vitamin B12 a few minutes ago. My, my understanding is there's a certain valve in the digestive system that they, that, that absorbs that and delivers really important nutrients to the brain. Is that well, um, there are, are cells in the stomach called the parietal cells, and they are responsible for making vitamin B12, uh, which then most of the absorption is done in the next, after it leaves the stomach, it goes into the small intestine, and that's where the nutrients are pulled out. Vitamin B12 is really critical to brain function and nerve function, and a lot of what passes for dementia is actually low B, vitamin B12. Um, virtually every nu- nutrient depends on the stomach and the small intestine for either their manufacture, because we make some of our own mi- vitamins, or certainly the absorption and then the transportation. Um, I talk about uh, something in the book, uh, something called leaky gut, because that's a cause of of a whole lot of problems all over the body because you don't absorb what you need and you do absorb things that you don't need. So we really have got to start paying a lot more attention to our digestion because it's so critical. We're we're not what we eat. We're what we eat, digest, absorb, and can't eliminate. So it's kind of all one package deal. Yeah, wow. So so there's a couple of areas that, that tend to be the problem areas. Now that you've explained the basics there, and you know, I, like I said, there's a, so much ignorance about that, and I was very ignorant about it. Um, so what is the difference between an ulcer, acid reflux, and what they call GERD? Because those are the three primary you know, things that most people have issues with. Uh, could you walk through those and like walk through what the causes are and what, what you would suggest if anybody had those problems and what they should do? Okay, well, <clears throat> that's a pretty big assignment, but the, um, uh, that irritation of the esophagus, it goes by a lot of names. Heartburn, acid reflux, GERD, uh, NER, NERD, depends on what country you're in and, and just how advanced it is, but it's basically even Barrett's esophagus, all pretty much the same effect, that is stomach contents getting uphill into the esophagus. And I'll just finish with that before I start on ulcers. But the um, there's that little valve, it's called the lower esophageal sphincter, is right between the stomach and the esophagus. It can become annoyed from uh, chemicals, general inflammation in the body, Uh, It's a muscular ring. If you're low in vitamin D, maybe it doesn't work as well. There's no part of the body, really, that isn't connected to the rest of the body. So whatever you're doing in general that's a problem may show up there. And that includes eating a lot of sugar, 
refined starchy products, uh, alcohol, sodas, all of those things tend to make heartburn worse and may actually initiate it. One thing that causes all of those problems and ulcers are medications. And I have I have I, I'm trying to hone this down into a slogan that's easy to say, but essentially I think the smart thing to do is if you have some kind of a health complaint, instead of as we've been trained, automatically thinking, well, I wonder what medicine I could take to make that better. We should be thinking, what medicine am I taking that might be causing it? Because a lot of medications cause heartburn, statin drugs, for example. So what happens, you go to the doctor and your your blood test says, oh, well, you're in a range. Let me, let me give you these statins. Well, then you come back and you've got heartburn, so now you get a drug for acid reflux, and then you block the stomach acid, so now you don't have enough magnesium, and the statin drugs, you come back, and you've got uh, muscle pain, and so then you get a painkiller. We're now into polypharmacy. We're on the slippery slope to crisis medicine. So now the, the ulcer, uh, biggest cause of the ulcer is a bacteria called H. pylori, and from what I can gather, there's still the research is headed this way. But from what I can gather, almost everybody has some, but it gets out of hand probably when you have low stomach acid. But the other 30% of ulcers are caused by drugs like aspirin, all the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and that's simply. Uh, and most of them actually are not in the stomach; they're in the small intestine. It's just the the lining has not been able to repair itself. It's supposed to be able to handle all of these chemicals and juices that are going by, and uh, for whatever reason, been interfered with by some of the things I just mentioned. It it hasn't repaired. So then you, you kind of eat through the lining, and you can uh, actually cause a perforation. So. That's the one time, if you've got a bleeding ulcer, fine. Take an acid blocker for a couple of weeks. That's all it takes to do the repair. But in the book, I talk about a lot of things that help repair the gut. And if you do it right, then you don't need to go back, stay on that drug, and you won't have the ulcer come back. Got it, got it. Um, one area that I've been learning a lot about, that, and you talk about this in the book some, but it's, it's a highly confusing subject is, you know, there's all foods and liquids have a pH level, uh, and that pH level, you know, is what it is when you ingest it. But it also can become something very different after digestion. Uh, some things that are acidic can become alkaline, and vice versa. Um, and there's not a lot of really clear information out out on the web or anywhere you look about this type of stuff. Can you talk about that? Kind of a kind of a high level and you help people understand that, especially if some people have never heard it before, probably don't even understand what I do. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, a whole lot of people who are supposed to be expert are also confused about it, so you shouldn't feel bad. Um, <laughs> and, and what I like to do is whenever something gets that technical and, and people are are going way out of their way to drink alkaline water and do this and do that to become alkalinized, there's probably something missing there and and so I like to kind of turn time back and say well 
what were we doing before we as a as humans before we had all these problems but just in general the body has different pH levels different amounts of, of balance between acid and alkaline in different parts of the body uh for example you you um you want very acid in the stomach you want slightly acid in the colon you want pretty neutral in the blood and and then um, maybe more alkaline in the the sinuses so we can't really we can force the body too far one way or the other if we're doing a bunch of junk food and sodas and and things like that that does tend to make the body more acid but we can get in trouble too by forcing it to be too alkaline so my kind of bottom line, rolling things back and looking at, at the history, is let's eat real food, get plenty of vegetables, drink pure water that has not had the minerals removed, so I'm not a fan of distilled water, for example. Um, filter your water so that you get rid of as many of the drugs and pesticides and junk as you can, but use a filter that does not remove the natural minerals and uh, avoid taking medicines that monkey with your pH and things just seem to work out. I don't know that we have to make a a hobby out of trying to figure out what our pH is. Um, What role does um, the changing trends in the food supply, such as genetically modified food, play in, in all this, in your opinion? I, I'm sorry, would you repeat that? I'm not sure. The, I, I uh, the GMOs, the genetically modified oh. organism type of food that's now entering the food supply, uh, you know, like corn and stuff like this, it's very difficult to avoid it. And I know some people that have some some issues with that, you know, almost like an allergy, but I'm, I'm just curious about from an overall general perspective, uh, you know, what do you see this, what do you see coming out of all this crazy trend? Well, I I really just don't want them putting genes from viruses and fish and animals and and uh, different kinds of things into my vegetables because it's just there's no kind of methodical long-term scientific study about whether that's good for us or not. Uh, I I do think if you look at what veterinarians say they get to see in these shorter lifespans where they can actually control diet, they're saying, oh, no, it's not good for our dogs and our cats. Well, why is it going to be good for us? And I think part of it isn't even so much what they've done to the genes of the food, although that's a very much open question. It's Most of that is done so that they can spray Roundup on the crops and the residues of that that come through, they kill our good bacteria. They cause a lot of aggravation. And, and I have a, a pretty big section on GMOs and Roundup in the new book that's coming out. I think it's a it's a very dangerous thing, and I think it's, it's just totally un-American if it's not labeled so that we can make a choice. There are people that just don't give a darn what they eat. They'll eat anything. They'll pay the consequences. When they get sick, they're happy to take the medicines, and and they have that choice. I don't have the choice when I go into the grocery store if everything that has corn in it also has Roundup in it. I want to know. 
Gotcha. So it's um, usually corn and soy, by the way. Um, they they haven't yet done much with wheat and a lot of the other foods. So a lot of health experts say we'd probably be better off not eating wheat and soy anyway, and that on corn and soy because the corn is contaminated in the silos with molds that create mycotoxins or poisons. And so there may be other reasons to avoid those foods anyway. So, so what are your favorite, you mentioned, you know, fruits and vegetables. What are some of your favorite fruits and vegetables? Uh, you know, what, what are the things that you really encourage people to eat regularly? Well, it, greens are probably the thing that we're missing the most. And uh, kale's really big right now, but I I like to buy baby spinach that's already been washed because I'm very busy. I don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I can I can put a steamer basket in a pan, fill the pan with spinach, and in two seconds it's done. Uh, of course, of course, broccoli, and a lot of it's just a matter of finding a recipe and now there's some wonderful websites like allrecipes.com where you can just put in an ingredient like if you bought some rainbow chard and you don't know what to do with it you can go there find a recipe that sounds good to you you can adjust the number of servings and you can print it out the size you want there's really you'd have to do a little research and a little experimentation but um, we just can't get by with that piece of iceberg lettuce on the hamburger. That's um, just not getting us where we need to go. Um, you talk about, uh, you know, I think one of the surprising things is not only what you eat, it's what time of day you eat it and how you eat it and, you know, the frequency of those meals. Talk a little bit about some of your ideas for, uh, you know, good habits to uh, you know, prevent some of these poor digested issues that that can happen if you you know say like eat a giant meal before you go to bed. Uh, well, common sense, as they say, is not all that common. And yep. it, <clears throat> if you're if you eat at at uh, nine o'clock and you go to bed at nine thirty, you've got gravity working against you and. When you go to bed, the body, that's when the body does its housekeeping. That's when it cleans out the, the cellular waste. It's when it rebuilds things. And so now you're saying, oh, no, I want to take all of my energy and send it to the stomach and to the intestines. Let's get this digestion thing taken care of. So um, it, it, there are a lot of different theories about when to eat, how much to eat. Is breakfast really the most important meal? Um one reason it takes me so long to write a book is I try to find justification for in the in the research for anything that I say because we get in a lot of trouble with things that everybody knows <laughs> turn out to be wrong. So I went back and um, I, I was looking around at that when you eat thing. I think pretty much everybody agrees probably be good to stop eating at six o'clock, give a couple of hours at least for digestion to take place before you get horizontal, but um, the, the trainers always told us, the, the athletic types, oh, you should eat every couple of hours, it fires up the metabolism. Well, I just saw a study that says you're actually, the most important thing is to have 15 hours where you're not eating. So you just have to do the math of when you, 
when you have your first meal and when you can have your last meal. It just gives the body time to take care of what you've already given it instead of throwing down some more. And apparently uh, there was more weight loss on the same amount of calories if it was done that way and less um, concern about whether you eat every couple of hours. But I don't think it's a good idea to get too hungry. So I think sometimes some preventive eating of having some almonds around or something where you can uh, avoid getting starving because then our our survival instincts take over and we'll eat anything that doesn't get out of our way. I got gotcha. you. So um, for people that want to, you know, do the other, you know, either lose, you know, what's the best way to, if somebody wants to lose some weight, what do, what do you, what do you recommend? And also how does that losing that weight have an, a positive impact upon the digestive system, which I now know to be true? Well, uh, overweight is a risk factor for just about everything. Um, and it does put, um, more pressure on the stomach area, and you're more likely to put the, have the acid go up where it's not supposed to be. But I think a lot of times the connection is really the things you're doing to get fat also cause heartburn. And the, this is this is the nice thing you can. Um, I was a fan of of Dr. Atkins. I I uh, actually knew him, but. I don't think people have to really worry too much about whether they should eat this percentage of protein or this this much carbohydrate. The average person can do just fine, not only losing weight, but preventing diabetes, heart disease, cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's, all those things, just by getting rid of the sugars, mainly the sugars and the sodas, but also things that turn into sugar quickly, the white flour, um, even whole wheat bread still turns into sugar pretty darn quickly. If you can get those things out of your diet, it, all of the diets that work, there's not a single, and they might say more vegetables or, or less meat or dairy, yes, dairy, no, but they all have that one thing in common. And I think that's what we focus on. If we do that, we're going to solve just a whole lot of problems. And it becomes a lifestyle. It's not a diet. You don't do this for three months. You go to your reunion, and then you go back to eating Cinnabon. You just have to realize, if you look back at our – you don't have to go back to hunter-gatherers. If you just go back a few hundred years, people weren't eating that crap all the time. Gotcha. So before I turn it back over to Fred here and, and some of the others who probably have some questions here, um, you also mentioned several times in the book the issue of stress. Uh, and while that's not technically your specialty, it's something that you uh, have to assess when you, you talk to people. What are some of the best ways for people to reduce stress in a world where there's ever-increasing amounts of stress everywhere they look? Well, you can't always... Sometimes people should change jobs. Sometimes people should get a divorce. But for the most part, I, I think you can't so much change what's around you as you can change your, the way you deal with it. And uh, to just uh, – I, I have a little sign in the office that says, calm down, take one thing at a time, everything is going to be all right. So kind of thinking of it in those terms and – breathing 
just being mindful of your breath. Just stop when things seem stressful. You you only have to do it for a few seconds. You can do it in a board meeting. It's just kind of chill and control your breathing for, you know, just a, a little bit. And then something that seems to help me is when I go to bed at night, I just say a prayer of thanks. I think about the simplest little things. Gosh, I'm glad I've got sheets on this bed or I had a dinner tonight. I'm I'm happy about that. I'm glad my car has seat heat warmers. Every little thing, you can have a thousand of them and never run out of things that we are grateful for. I think that just puts us in a good frame of mind to manage the things maybe we're not so grateful for. I got you. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marty. I'm going to turn this back over to Fred and uh, others here and uh, Dee Dee and uh, and I'm sure they have other questions they'd like to ask, and uh, I'm sure that when you have your new book out, uh, we'd love to to learn about uh, your other thoughts on those those other related issues. Well, thank you. Hi, Marty. Thank Hi. you so much. Uh, it's, uh, I have a, just a couple of questions, then we'll open it up for for the rest of the people on the call. But uh, you were very engaged and active in um, you know at the grassroots level in organizing. Uh, and rallying people uh, to defend and support health freedom initiatives in Texas. Could you describe, uh, and you had a major victory down there. Uh, tell us in, kind of in a nutshell what, what that encompassed and, and how you got involved. Well, after I found these uh, terrific doctors that were concerned about finding the cause and treating the cause with non-toxic, non-invasive natural remedies, I was horrified to find out they were being beat up on by the medical board because they weren't following the cookbook mm-hmm. and the, the standard of care, which is the cookbook by which all doctors are judged, whether or not they are in trouble or uh, whether their insurance is going to cover it and so on. And there were a lot of really good doctors that were, were being harassed, so I put together some folks and now uh, we raised some funds to to hire lobbyists and we just went after the medical board and finally they they decided on their own because we were making really good headway in the Texas legislature about getting some restrictions put on them they decided to take matters in their own hands and go on the offensive and they created sort of a safe haven that if the doctors did so and so and they filled out these forms that then they would kind of back off but uh, it, I don't know if it's this way in every state but in Texas the Texas Medical Association is the second most powerful lobby after the um, the lawyers and so you, they kind of have to want to allow whatever goes through and I guess this seemed minor enough it didn't bother them well that was a long time ago, so now I'm thinking they're probably glad that it's there because more and more doctors are doing things like testing vitamin D levels and uh, sneaking in what they can under a system that doesn't really support it. So um, I, I always I think the truth will always come out in the end. Sometimes it's just a very long, painful process. <laughs> Marty, just just uh, from. Are you, 
my experience helping my parents in their garlic uh, business many years ago. I went to a few of these conventions, and uh, <clears throat> uh, my oh, my you know pop- what? It's just coming back to me. Yes, I did know about your parents and about their garlic business. Okay, yes, <laughs> I just I just connected the dots. I kept looking at your name, thinking, boy, that sounds familiar. Now I know. Okay, okay. <laughs> so. Uh, it was it, uh, so. What was fascinating, and this is where I think you played a role, in addition to uh, you know some other le- legislatures, uh, uh, legislators from Utah, uh, but uh, they rallied together. People in the health supplement industry rallied nationally to uh, you know protect some of these brands. But now we have a whole other initiative that's that's coming out. Are we going to be able to buy our own natural vitamins in the future, or is this all going to be controlled by Big Pharma longer term? What's what's the status? Where are we right now? Well, if I can, I got to tell you a funny story before we do that. I was one in that year that I was in Washington all the time is when we were trying to get the dietary supplement bill passed. That, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. the Deshay, and because <clears throat> I was first, I was active as president-elect and then as president, and then I worked on another year as a representative for them. But I, at one point, the Appropriations Committee was having a, a hearing, a private hearing with the FDA and representatives from our organization, which at that time was the Natural Nu National Nutritional Foods Association. Mm-hmm. So I go in there. I I was leading the group, and I had three lawyers with me, two of whom were totally useless, but one of them had worked before with the FDA, so they kind of had some insight. That one guy, and. <clears throat> In comes the FDA, and there are 27 of them. There's David Kessler and every expert he had from every division. And um, and I, I the reason I bring this up is because I wanted to – I knew that the legislators, they weren't going to care about all this tactical stuff. They care about what their constituents care about. So I wheeled in a stack of boxes – uh, almost as tall as I was, of office boxes. It was full of the world literature on, guess what, garlic. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, and I had a bag of garlic bulbs, and, and at, at every turn, we just, uh, David Kessler was quite upset. I mean, his, his just lip was shaking because he was trying to talk all this technical stuff, and I just kept saying, well, yeah, but look, Garlic does this. There's all of this literature on it. And and if we can't talk about that and the way this is going, we're going to have to have a prescription to get a pizza. And I slammed this bag of garlic on the table. And uh, they, called, <laughs> they called it, kind of called an end to it. And, uh, and that, that, the lawyers agreed that we won the day. And it was just funny because I was just talking their language, not trying yeah. to go head-to-head. I wasn't talking to the FDA at all. I was talking to the legislators because I wasn't smart enough to talk to the FDA and uh, (laughs) win at their game. So anyway, I just thought you'd think it was funny that the subject was garlic because it was such a great example of something that does so much and it shouldn't be restricted. Well, there's a lot of other things that are like that, and they don't just get the heck out of it. As far as where we're headed, they yeah. will continue to try because there is a deep and abiding bias at the FDA 
against supplements and natural remedies of all kinds. They're, yeah. It's a, a revolving door of drug company employees coming to the FDA and retiring back to the drug companies. And yeah. And so it, we have to not let people get complacent. The only reason... I had so many doors open to me in Washington is because a million people wrote letters. And yep. then and we go in there and they say, please tell me what this is all about. You know, make it go away. So yeah. we may have to do that again, but people will have to stay alert. Wow. Well, well, Marty, thank you so much for coming on the call. We are going to open it up now for uh, other people who are listening to chime in as we always do on this call each week. Uh, anybody out there, if you would like to pose a comment or a question to our special guest, Marty Yeah, Rickman, even the please. FDA. If the FDA is there, you know, join us. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to star six your phone or people on talk to you. Uh, feel free. Fred, uh, and uh, yeah. hi, Marty. This is Steve uh, with AU Network in Charlotte. I was going to, uh, as far as the stress goes, I was going to share something or, or actually let my wife share with you uh, what she prescribes for uh, how to get along with an A-type. And I'm, of course, A-positive, a A-type. So she has a, a kind of a rule of thumb on how to get along with an A-type. No, I just say if you're blood type O and you live with an A, you need to always take the B's. <laughs> That's a good one, Darlene. <laughs> B vitamins and magnesium are very calming, so that's the other thing you have to do is nourish your uh, stress depletes those nutrients and uh, vitamin C and vitamin A, so if you're under stress, you've got to kind of backfill. Yeah, well, I find Bs really help. If I go a day without taking my B complex, I can tell a big difference. Good for you. Hello. Uh, this is Sam. Can I make some comments and ask questions? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Okay, uh, okay, uh, Mark. I'm a physician, so I think what I'm retired though. But we're not taught that in medical school, <clears throat> so that's the problem. You know, you have the protocol, so you have to go by the standard of care, all that crap. But I, I, I get an excellent magazine which I would recommend for people, which you're probably familiar with, Life Extension. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's excellent. And their book, the Life Extension book, has all their, uh, you know, I guess you're familiar with their Life Extension book, too. Uh, disease prevention treatment, scientific protocols that integrate mainstream and alternative medicine. Yes, they are, uh, they are always way ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah, and their articles are excellent because they're also, they got a lot of, uh, you know, references at, each, at the end of each article. I have 100, 100 articles, 100 articles based uh, let, That's a good point. Let, let me give you a website, if you're not familiar with it, that might be helpful to people. It's green, as in the color, greenmed, as in medical, info.com. Mm-hmm. And they they have thousands of studies on there, and they're, they're – um, very contrarian. I mean, they they will be the place where you can go and find a whole lot of information about vaccines or fluoride or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they that it's science based, and so it's a good resource also. Uh, I guess you're familiar with Dr. Mercola. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so Not- you need. Yeah, he doesn't use any uh, big pharma medicines in treating his patients. Mm-hmm. He uses all alternative medicines. And he said about your fluoride, he had 10 reasons why you shouldn't have fluoride. And 
I just learned out it's a neurotoxin. Oh, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. And uh, like you said on the garlic, he says there's natural antibiotics, including garlic, cinnamon, oregano, and colloidal silver. That's a whole new world, and it's um, you have to you can't go to Harvard Medical School and get very much about it. You really have got to go to someplace like Bastyr. And I I was in pre med briefly. I'm so glad I didn't go that route because I probably would have been handing out pills like everybody else. Yeah, and, and uh, I like to ask you a question. But here I understand that the Mediterranean diet, which is extra virgin olive oil, is the key ingredient. Is the best diet of all the healthiest diet? Uh, it's the one that's been studied the most, and it is very healthy. Unfortunately, in America, they don't realize it's a high-fat diet. It's got lots of, of vegetables and fruits and nuts and things like that. They think it means uh, pizza and spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I'd like to ask you, uh, now, uh, I take vitamin D3, fish oil, vitamin C, CoQ10, and some other stuff. Now, what, what what dosage do you like to use on vitamin D3 and vitamin C and uh, CoQ10? You probably take those, I imagine. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, vitamin D is a, a, a tricky one. People should be tested, but the tests come back showing that 30 is okay. The level mm-hmm. really should be more like 70, 80, and so... Mm-hmm. Everybody's a little bit different, but I, I think for the most part, you can't get by on less than 5,000 a day. Okay. And I, I, nobody that I, I can't find any evidence that anybody has ever been hurt by 10,000 a day because that's how much you would make if you were out in the sun. But mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of great information about that on vitamindcouncil.org. Mm-hmm. And vitamin C, I. I don't know. I kind of think a minimum is probably 500 twice a day. But, uh, again, everybody's different. Roger Williams was a researcher in the University of Texas, and he said that one person might need 20 times as much as the next person. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things you can overcompensate a little bit, and, yeah, maybe you're wasting some, but it's probably doing some good even on the way out. Yeah. The QQ10, uh, what do you oh, recommend on that? Uh, it kind of depends on whether you get a really uh, good one, ubiquinol, that's more easily absorbed, or if you're taking a powdered one, uh, maybe 100 milligrams a day, but then uh, take it along with a meal that has some fat in it because it's a fat-soluble nutrient. Mm-hmm. You know, concerning vitamin C, uh, this I read an article of this, a patient had a lung infection. They were trying all kinds of antibiotics. So they finally gave vitamin C intravenously. And the next day he was better. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. you can do you can perform miracles with IV vitamin C. Yeah, they're trying to stop that, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, is virtually against the law to cure somebody of cancer if you don't use chemo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess uh, isn't that I the guess truth? You, wow. I guess you're familiar with Gerson treatment. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. one of uh, – uh, there, are, there are many um, – I've got a fair amount of information on my website about cancer, various things, but it's for 
elementary. I just encourage people to look around. And I do think different body types, whether it's the blood type or, or not, um, I think that's open to question. But we know from DNA that different people have different needs, and there's some new genetic testing that will tell you what you should be eating according to your DNA. So I, I don't think we're going to find a cookie cutter. Everybody eats the same thing. Everybody needs the same amount of this or, or that. And when it comes to treating cancer, I think that's a very, very good time to have all the genetic testing done and not just to look for the risk factors for cancer, but look at what your body needs and give it to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend and I, we're trying to get, we're, we're agreeing, we're, we don't want any food that's prepared. <laughs> you know? Like Stay if out you, of the middle even, part of the grocery store. Yeah. Like if you go to see a loaf of bread, if you get a loaf of bread at the grocery store, you look what, what's in it. And uh, all the ingredients in it is terrible. But what else can you do? That's the only thing you can buy unless you bake your own. Hey, Marty, your website, I'm sorry, uh, Sam, uh, your website, Marty, just want to re-read it. If you haven't gone there, listeners, ahbnshow.com. For Marty Whittakin, that's the letter hbnshow.com. The three books she has posted there are Natural Alternatives to Nexum, Maalox, Tagamet, and Prolisec, uh, and number two is fat, which we covered with David talking about. Tell us a little bit about the Fat-Free Folly book before we go, uh, Marty. Well, I, I just got so fed up with so many fat-free products in the grocery store still after all of the research that we've done recently to show that the whole food pyramid that had just a little drop of oil on the top and all of this pasta and grains and bread and and cereal across the bottom, that's why we are so fat and we have an epidemic of diabetes. So Fat-Free Folly is a skinny book on fat. It's very easy read. I just talk about what fats are, are good, why we need fats, how we use it, the difference between omega-3 and omega-6. One's inflammatory, the other's the omega-3 is anti-inflammatory. And I give a shopping guide about how to save money and you know what, which things are better than others. But I just want people to stop being afraid of fat and start realizing that it's quality, not quantity, that we need to worry about. And Marty, uh, I know aloe vera, we have it around our house, natural plants, in case we get burned, uh, explain just briefly, this is the third book called Aloe Vera. What's in there? Well, it's another another skinny book uh, about the history, but also people don't realize all the things that it does on the outside. It does the same thing on the inside. helps to heal the digestive tract. It helps with uh, heartburn. It helps with um, all, uh, ulcers. And we have the lining of our intestinal tract is very much like our skin, so it does wow. the same kind of good things on the inside, but it detoxifies, it improves. I think everybody should take their vitamins with aloe vera juice because especially if you get one that actually has good polysaccharides in it, um, and that's part of what I talk about is how to tell a good one from one that's not so good. But it increases the absorption. We were talking about vitamin C before. If yeah. you take your vitamin C, 
with aloe vera, you can absorb 20 times more of it. So. Oh my uh, gosh! Wow. Yeah, it does it does all kinds of really good things and uh, helps the immune system and and so on. Wow. Okay. It's cheap. <laughs> it's cheap. <laughs> Guys, all of these are listed on her website, hpnshow.com. Anybody else a comment or question for Marty, and we're going to close it out. Uh, Marty, thank you so much. Anybody else? Yeah, actually, I, I, I got one. I was going to oh, say, uh, aloe, vera, aloe vera is a product of uh, natural from North Carolina, too, Fred. Oh, cool. Uh, I had a question for her, Fred, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is Dee Dee from Portland, also with AU Network. Um, I we I live in Portland, Oregon, where the National College of Natural Medicine is, and that's where they train a lot of the naturopaths in the country yeah, as excellent. well. Excellent. Yeah, cool. yeah, and we have such a great health food market here, giant health food stores in every neighborhood. I mean, everything from meat to flowers to medicines. And I feel very fortunate. I've been in the natural uh natural healing remedies since the early 70s here myself and had some really good success. I healed myself at age 25 of what they said was a terminal cervical cancer, but it was gone in three weeks. And um, so then I kind of got a little bit famous (laughs) here for a little while, and I had a nerve company of my own, but I'm still learning along with everybody else. And I have a gentleman I'm helping, and you were mentioning the um, parietal cell making the vitamin B12. Yes. And I was wondering, I've always thought that dementia was caused by inflammation in the brain. So does lack of vitamin B12 cause, is that what causes the inflammation in Alzheimer's in the brain? Or am I misinformed about that? Oh, it's one of many things. Um, Vitamin B12 seems to protect the entire nervous system. Uh, And there's a great book by a, a nurse called Could It Be B12? And she has just wonderful um, studies and and uh, information about that. But they, they're, they're starting to call Alzheimer's diabetes type 3 because oh, okay. of the same uh, excess of insulin, uh, too much sugar, uh, which is an inflammatory, lack of omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory, lack of magnesium, they're not going to find one pill that fixes Alzheimer's. Right. It's the same things that are bothering the whole rest of our body. It's just that brain might be a little more sensitive. Okay, and then um, the thing about magnesium is I, I 100% agree with you that it's a very important thing to be taking. It has, like vitamin C, maybe three or 400 things it does in the body at once. But I found a source of magnesium that works the best for me in in being a re- constantly a recovering fibromyalgia patient, <laughs> um, but um, I have completely recovered at times when I was really cleansed and um, didn't have a great deal of stress to deal with. But I found that the liquid calcium, uh, liquid magnesium, works like fifty to seventy-five percent better for me than taking it in a tablet, probably because of leaky gut and all that sort of thing. Are you um, talking about topical, like you rub it on your No, skin? I'm talking about drinking it in a liquid form. There's a doctor from Maui, uh, Dr. Carolyn uh, Dean. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's basically written the Bible on magnesium. <laughs> She's got like 43 books oh, out oh. or something. Carolyn Dean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know her. 
She's a friend of mine for 40 years or so. But until she came out with the liquid magnesium, I, I really didn't couldn't see what the big wow was about magnesium, but I think I wasn't absorbing it properly. So I would just recommend that people use a liquid magnesium, and she has a really good one, of course, because she developed it herself. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And I'm, I, I think I tangled up two things. Parietal cells make the, um, they make the stomach acid, but the, okay. the, the stomach is vital to making B12. And I oh, gotcha. Okay. What the cells are, but um, for people that take magnesium and it gives them a loose stool, sometimes they they just can't handle that. There is also, it's called magnesium oil, but it's not really an oil. It's just a kind of a gel you put on your skin and you absorb it through your skin. So that's another approach, and especially if you have uh, any fibromyalgia, you can put it right on where it hurts. Oh, I have to look for that because that's one thing I haven't explored, the the gel. We had a big symposium here not too long ago. There's a lot of wheat grown in eastern Oregon and they were declaring that yes indeed all this gluten intolerant uh, I mean there's a lot of wheat free stuff in Portland. It's like a mecca of, of healthy food which is really a blessing but the wheat allergies they've discovered are coming from the spraying of the Roundup onto the wheat in southern Oregon. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh my so, god Judy. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the reasons people aren't really allergic to wheat so much. They're allergic to the to the Roundup on it. <laughs> this is oh, tiny toxic. Oh, I would believe that. Yeah. So real thrilled to have you on the call. It's it's a nice departure um, to to hear about all these things coming from someone with so much experience. And we really appreciate you being on with us. And well, please come back thank again. You. Thank you. You've got to you've got to stay right. healthy to fight the good fight. Oh, yeah, you do. Right, you know. Yeah. Wait, uh, Fred, someone wanted to say something. Yeah, Sam, go ahead. Yeah, Fred, two, two questions I want to ask her. Uh, number one is coconut oil. What about coconut oil? It's excellent. Um, and, and for somebody that's starting to have dementia, for example, it's a source of energy for the brain cells when it can no longer handle the, the sugars that were the fuel before. Um Great thing you can do with it is put it in your mouth first thing in the morning, put about a teaspoon in, keep it there for 20 minutes, swishing around, spit it out into the trash because you don't want to clog up your pipes, and then brush your teeth. It's just great for getting rid of the the uh, plaque and the biofilms and the bacteria that are causing uh, gum disease. Yeah, that's called pulling, isn't it? Yes, oil pulling. Yeah. Pulling is an incredible way to cleanse the body and cleanse the teeth. I, I think I'm glad you mentioned that because that is an amazing home remedy that you can easily do. And, and the second thing, now this is for us alcoholics. What about red wine? A glass of red wine a day. Uh, for women, one one glass, and you really need to find out what uh, an actual serving is for men too. Um, if you don't, moderate alcohol seems to be good for most everything. Increased alcohol was on the evening news. Uh, if you go over those limits, you greatly increase your risk of stroke. So yeah. um, it's like anything else, I guess, moderation. But um, I think taking a really good resveratrol product, and the best one I know of is Longevinex, uh, very well prepared, very well balanced with other ingredients that that help it work uh it's criminal that people don't know that you can reverse macular degeneration 
using that product. Oh my gosh. Marty, how do we hear your show uh, uh, over on the website, or where do we? Where can we go to see, hear some of the previous shows? Well, you've done? Um, if you go to hbnshow.com, the uh, mm-hmm. I have archives going back. Oh gosh, like twelve years or something. But oh my God. Uh, you can wow. you can listen live on the internet. Uh, you can get podcasts. It's uh, broadcast uh, mostly in Texas and. Dallas-Fort Worth area, Austin, okay. Houston, San Antonio, but it's also in Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete, and uh, a few cities in Pennsylvania. So you can get a broadcast or you can get it delivered to your computer or you can uh, just log in whenever you like. It's also, um, uh, you can get it from iTunes, a lot of different ways. But if you, if you click on radio, there's a, a link there, listen, and it'll tell you all the different ways. Very, very good. Uh, I would like to thank you, Marty, and uh, David Dalka for reaching out to you uh, for making this possible. And uh, we hope we can stay in touch and 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 uh, refer people to you and to your website and uh, just keep a line of communication in a positive way. Uh, Great. Well, th- thank you very much for having me, and I hope I've uh, helped somebody out there. All right, oh, yeah. and, and I, I'm going to keep drinking my apple cider vinegar, right? <laughs> yep, you do that. That yeah, was right. pomegranate juice. Also pomegranate juice. And also mangosteen juice. Okay. <laughs> mangosteen juice. <laughs> thank you, Marty Whittakin. Appreciate Alrighty. it. Uh, and thank you, David Delco, for making this possible. Everyone, uh, it's been a great call. Uh, uh, next week is going to be my birthday, so I'm not going to be on the call next Thursday, guys. So uh, we'll figure something out. But, Happy uh, birthday. All right. Thank you, Marty, again. Thank you. We'll stay in touch. God bless. Night. Take care. Good night. <laughs> all right, guys. Everybody yeah, it's all, of, it's all of our birthdays next week, Fred, you and I and oh, Steve. Right. He's, he's <laughs> two days later. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve's, hey, Steve, Steve, Super Sunday. Super Sunday, Steve. Yeah, my daughter's birthday too. That's this Sunday, Steve. So happy birthday coming up, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's today, right. today is, is Emmanuel Swedenborg's birthday, everyone. If you haven't heard of him, look him up. He's, uh, oh, that's right. He and Meadow and Steve all have the same birthday. <laughs> yeah, we were, this was the Aquarian conspiracy, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my birthday was last uh, Sunday, so uh, I'm in that too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm that's great. Aaron Russo's uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, we got Henry Nicole, too. His birthday's yep. coming up. Henry Al Jordan was on the 21st. He's not on the call. He should be on the call, but Al, if you're out there, happy birthday. Hello. Oh, yeah, he's he was here. He's gone now. Oh, he's his birthday's in Aquarian, too, Alice? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, gosh, no wonder. Now I understand. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, guys. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, David. I'll be in touch, guys. And uh, okay, we'll, we'll be on the call next week. All right. Well, happy birthday, Fred. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Boy, our call's getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> American Underground Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.